It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? There's an HOA in the neighborhood. An HOA for the neighbors. From time to time, they keep us in line. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood. It's true. With bylaws, restrictions, and covenants, too. So, let's make the most of this beautiful day. Let's see what the association has to say. Won't you be, could you be, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be, please won't you be, won't you be my neighbor? Well, it's so good to be with you boys and girls today. So happy that you're with us. You know, what we're talking about today is colors. Colors are so beautiful. We love colors. We have many colors here in this room. Colors make life beautiful. Nobody wants a box of crayons that have 48 crayons in them and they're all black and white. No, we love colors. Which reminds me, I got a letter from the HOA this week. Turns out I painted my house the wrong color. <laughs> I paid $5,000 to paint my house desert brown, only to discover that it was supposed to be sandstorm brown. <laughs> How could I have made such a mistake? <laughs> Just to help you understand my error, <laughs> here's a picture of desert brown, boys and girls. Here's a picture of sandstorm brown, boys and girls. How could I have made such a huge mistake? So, so silly of me. Just like prior to that, I planted purple flowers and got a letter that they were the wrong shade of purple. <laughs> they can be so helpful. I did do well prior to that, however. I put the new letters for my, the numbers for my address up on my house and I picked the right color for that, painted them black. <laughs> but I was informed they were in the wrong font. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> well, that's all the time I have to be with you here today. It's been so nice to see you. Remember that you are special. There's no one else just like you. And your HOA is special too. Have a wonderful day, church neighbors. We'll see you next time. Welcome to uh, Mr. Fuller's Neighborhood. Uh, we are starting a new series here today, and uh, it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And for this series, I'm going to be wearing a tie for the whole series. 
Never done that before. I'm uncomfortable already. But I just want to let you know why I'm going to be wearing a tie. We're going to be looking at this question of what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to love our neighbors? We're going to explore that over the next five weeks. Does that sound like a party? All right, good. We're going to do that together. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray. God, I thank you for the neighbors who are sitting with us here in this room, that we get together here in this space and be with one another and, and hear from you. God, you have been very clear about us loving our neighbors, and so I pray that we would receive your clarity and be motivated to honor you in our response to that. And uh, God, we're thankful that you meet us here. Would you inspire us to be the men and women that you would like us to be? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, let me first tell you why we're doing this series. A little over two years ago, I was contacted by the Church of God in Western Canada to uh, speak at their camp meeting in the summer of 2018, so this upcoming summer. And this was over two years ago, and I, 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 I didn't know, I had no idea what my plans were for 2018. I didn't know if I, know if I was going to be alive in 2018. It was so long from then, and so I said, sure, whatever, that's fine. Signed up for it. Just recently, in the last month and a half, I heard from them what the topic for the uh, uh, count meeting was going to be. And the topic is loving your neighbor. Actually, love thy neighbor. <laughs> Had to look up the word thy. And uh, so then that's the topic uh, for the adventure. So then I then went into my archives of messages and kind of looked up messages that I've given on that topic. And, and I have a way to search through that and look through it. Now, I've given hundreds of messages and look through those and try to find out, okay, which series or message would fit with something like that that I could redo. And <laughs> turns out, I don't talk about that topic very much. Turns out, I, I, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything on this central, important topic of loving your neighbor. I talk about a lot of things. I talk about the Old Testament. I talk about the New Testament. I talk about realizing your role in God's story. I talk about unique roles of men and women and the importance of relationships and marriage relationships and parenting and the holiness process of of transferring our authority of our lives over to Jesus so that he can do amazing things in our lives. And I talk about lots of things like that, but I don't talk about loving our neighbor. And so it forced me to ask the question, why have I not found many messages on this? What's, what's the deal? What's, what's wrong with me? Why is this a topic that I've been avoiding? There's really a simple answer to that. I'm not a good neighbor. That's just a flat out, that is the simple answer on that. So oftentimes the things that we're not so good at, we just kind of step back from. We just kind of stay uh, back from a little bit. I am, not, I am not a good neighbor. I'm not State Farm. Uh, um, uh, I have much to learn in this area. I've lived in the same house uh, the whole time that I've been here in Phoenix, uh, 12 and a half years. And um, I, my home is my sanctuary. My home is my, is my peaceful place. It is my private place. I pull my car up to the garage door. I open up the door, go inside the garage, close the door behind me, and I enter into my sanctuary. Oh, love entering into my sanctuary. I don't love my neighbors. I avoid them. And so let me just tell you, I don't stand here before you today as an expert on this topic, launching into a five-week series to say, you need to listen to me and do what I do. 
No, 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 I just wanna be right up front and saying, this is not an area of strength for me, so may we together look at scripture to say, what does God have to say to us about this topic? I'm confident most of you here in this room are better at this than I am. And so it's not about an expert teaching you, it's about us coming together and saying, God, what do you have to say about this topic? What we're gonna do over these five weeks is we are going to look at a very familiar, famous story of Jesus. One of the most famous known things that Jesus ever said was telling the story of the Good Samaritan. This story has penetrated our culture in so many ways and so many levels. Even if you have no background in church whatsoever, you are familiar with this story. The largest RV organization, a recreational vehicle organization in the world is called what? The Good Sam Club. It's the largest RV club in the world, and it's named after the Good Samaritan story. We have the Good Samaritan Society, multiple versions of it. We have Samaritan's Purse, which provides relief to places around the world named after the Good Samaritan. We just have the general phrase that if somebody does something kind to someone else, we refer to that person as a good Samaritan. And so we have embraced the language of this story, whether we knew where it came from or not. Jesus tells this great story. So what we're going to do over the five weeks is we're going to dig into this story and look at five different characters in this story and how we can learn a little bit more about the importance and the effectiveness and the power of loving our neighbors. We're getting started this morning by looking at the one who, who launched the story, the one who, who caused Jesus to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. He's referred to in scripture as an expert in the law. And that's how the story begins. And so we're gonna look at his experience with Jesus, how he launches into the story of the Good Samaritan. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. The New Testament begins with four different versions of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Luke's version of the story in chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, that's where we find this story. Luke 10, beginning in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, This expert in the law is one of a number of foolish people in the New Testament who try to approach Jesus to test him, to catch Jesus in something. A number of Jewish leaders were threatened by Jesus because Jesus was becoming very popular and, and as a result, very powerful. And he was becoming powerful, but that power was not given to him by the Jewish leaders. And so that was a great threat to them. So as this expert in the law wanted to go up to Jesus and test him in this way, he's gonna ask him a question, and if Jesus says something that is not in line with Old Testament scripture, then it would be blasphemous and Jesus would be in trouble. If, however, Jesus said something that was just quoting Old Testament scripture, then Jesus would be inert. He would be uh, it would be useless. It was just, it just, yeah, well, he's just like any other rabbi, and we all know what scripture has to say, so why does this Jesus have all this power? So he's trying to catch Jesus to test him, to, 
to uh, help people understand Jesus isn't that big of a deal or to show people Jesus is blasphemous. And he comes up to him and he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what do you think of that question? Is that your question? If you had one question that you could ask Jesus, if you could stand before Jesus and you had one question to ask him, would that be your question? I, I'm not sure that it would be. I think this question used to be very high on people's minds. 2,000 years ago, certainly, even 30 years ago. I think this was a driving question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I think most people now don't think so much about eternity. Uh, unless they're at a funeral or they've experienced death, a death in the family, someone that they know, or they're faced with their own, the reality of their own death, we typically don't ask this question anymore. We've, I, th I think, based on my experiences of having spiritual conversations with a number of people, this is not a driving question. I think it's actually more of an archaic question for us. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because we don't think so much about eternity. We don't think about a thousand years from now very often, most of us. We don't think about a hundred years from now. We often don't think about 10 years from now. And so what would be your question? What would be the modern version of this question for you? What question would you ask? What question would your neighbor ask? What I seem to hear people asking more often is instead of what must I do to, to, to inherit eternal life, I seem to hear people more often asking, what is, how can I determine my purpose in life? Less about the, the thousands of years in the future, but about these years right now that people seem to lean more towards how can I maximize the hours of my day because I have a limited number of days and a limited number of years. How can I maximize my time here on this earth? How can I make a difference in this world? that people want to know, how can I get to the end of my days here on this planet and look back on a life with as few regrets as possible? That seems to be a driving question. I'm not saying it's the question. I'm not saying it's your question. What I'm, what I'm asking is, what do you think is the modern version of this question? What, what, what would be your question or what was your question as you were exploring faith? What would be your neighbor's questions if you can ask Jesus anything? And then Jesus responds in classic Jesus style. He says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Classic Jesus response is answering a question with a question. If you haven't learned this skill in life, Pick this one up. This might be the, the, the worth the price of admission here today. A ask, answering a question with a question can be frustrating at times, and people often don't even know what's happening. If your boss comes up to you and says, uh, have you uh, filled out your TPS reports? That you can say, oh, have you checked your box? You may have done nothing. You didn't fill out any form. You didn't put anything in his box. But you could just say, have you checked your box? Because that feels better than saying, no, I didn't do it. I didn't have time for it. 
I mean, just, just a suggestion, just throwing it out there. If your uh, child uh, comes up to you uh, and they've been reading the Bible and they come up, come up to you and they say, what does it mean to be uncircumcised? <laughs> you can say, well, tell me the context of what you're reading, my child. What is it that you're reading? Well, are you enjoying the story that you're reading? Would you be afraid of a big man named Goliath? Whatever, you can kind of ask questions in response to the question. And Jesus was brilliant at this, and he asks a great, important question. What is written in the law? When you bring your question to Jesus, whatever that question is, any question about life, about morality, about right, about wrong, about purpose, about theology, anything whatsoever, it is always wise to say what is written in the law? What does the Bible say? This is important because oftentimes when we are creating our theology, when we are establishing our morality, we go to other sources. Naturally, we go to other sources. We go to our own experience, we go to our own feelings, we go to our own opinions that flow out of our own feelings and our own experience. That's typically where we go when we create our morality of what is right and what is wrong and we say, this is wrong because of my experience with that thing, because of my experience with other people who have experienced that thing, because of my own experience with that thing. Or we might say, this is right because it feels right. That's just a slippery slope. That's, that is not solid foundation. Jesus says, he answers a question with a question and says, well, what does it say in, in the law? What does scripture say? That's a very important question, whether you like what scripture says or not, and sometimes we don't, if we're honest, it's a very important question, a solid rock foundational question. What does it say? What is written in the law? What is written in scripture? I had a great conversation with, a, with an expert in the law, not the, not the uh, Jewish law, but an expert in civil law. Uh, here recently, a young man who's a part of our church who is a police officer with the Phoenix Police Department. And it was a great conversation because this person is genuinely exploring his faith, genuinely trying to figure out what he believes, what he doesn't believe based on his background, et cetera. And so I challenged him with this exact concept that Jesus was talking about with, the expert, with that expert in the law. And I just said, whatever you land on, whatever path you go on to say, this is what I believe, this is what I don't believe, I, I highly encourage you to ask yourself, what is written in the law? That you would go to that place instead of leaning on your experience and your feelings and your opinions. And uh, he had a great response to that. He thought about that for a little bit. And again, this expert in the law thought about his own experience as a police officer and he said, I can't enforce the law unless I know what the law says. That's good insight. For him as a police officer, I can't, I can't enforce this thing unless I know what the law says. So the same should be true about our faith journey. That we start, if we can say, I believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Now that is a faith 
place in and of itself. And I'm not assuming that everyone believes that. That is a place in and of itself to say, did the scriptures come from God? And if we believe they did, that's a great place to start. Then to say, what is written in the law? What does it have to say? This gentleman that I was talking with, he, he kind of expanded on it a little bit, talking about um, oftentimes people don't know what the law says, and oftentimes in a, a situation where they're in trouble, they say, uh, I know all my rights, I know my rights, and he kind of snickers to himself because he thinks, you don't, no, you don't. That, that some people who are in trouble think that if they say that phrase, that's like, the, that's like it puts all the police officers backing off and say, well, they know their rights, so I can't do anything here. I'm stuck here. I, you know, put the fear of God into all police officers. No. So he just, sometimes he just says to them, okay, what are they? You know your rights, so what are they? To which someone might say, well, I have the right to remain silent. Anything I say can and will be used against me. To which you could say, good, you've watched a few episodes of Law and Order. Good for you, you know. But do we know what the law says? Whatever question you bring, what is written in the law? What is written in Scripture, whether we like it or not? Now, this guy, he's an expert in the law. And so he has a great response. Verse 27, then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is a great response. This is, this is the same exact response that Jesus gave just prior to this when he was asked what are the greatest commandments and he summarized all of the Old Testament into these two laws. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that second one, love your neighbor as, as yourself, that's the theme of this entire series. All five weeks, love your neighbor as yourself. That contains both the what and the how. What are we called to do? Love your neighbor. How? Love your neighbor as yourself. How would you like to be treated? How would you like to be treated? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I know, I, I already know what you, some of you are thinking that that's your loophole, that that's your pass out of this series because what you, how you really wanna be treated is you wanna be left alone. I know, I know some of you are thinking that and you're thinking, how did he know? How did he know? I just know that that's running through some of your minds that we might think we wanna just be left alone, but you don't. You really don't. We we are hardwired by our creator to be known by others. We long to belong with other people to be known by others. Whether it happened when you were young or not, you wanted to be known when you were in middle school. You wanted to be known when you were in high school, when you were in college. You want to be known at work people to care about you and know what's going on at some level, somehow, somewhere. We are built to be known by others. You want to be known in the world in which you live at some level. So then love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be known. Do you know your neighbor? Do you know your neighbor's name? That's just kind of a great place to start because there's a huge difference between saying, good morning, John. And 
good morning, dude, who's been my neighbor for 12 years that I still don't know the name of. Huge difference there. Do you know your neighbor's names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know their dog's name? You don't have to worry about cats. The Bible doesn't say anything about cats. You, can, that's, you get a pass on that. But do you know your neighbors? You can't love your neighbors if you don't know their name. You can't invite them to church, to any meaningful thing, to uh, 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 re-engage marriage program or a great yoga experience or whatever. You can't invite them if you don't even know their name. And so we have to start with this idea. Do you know them? A great idea is, is, is to host a party at your house and invite people in your neighborhood and then force them to wear a name tag and blame your spouse for the whole dorkiness of the name tag idea. That was her idea. I don't know, just put it on, it'll make her happy. Whatever, throw it on there and then you're on the side writing down names in order to capture it. Do you know the names of your neighbors? Love your neighbor as yourself. The second half of this summary of what is written in the law Love your neighbor as yourself. And then let's be careful with it. Sometimes we take a, a phrase like that and we spin it around for our own benefit. That we allow a phrase like that to have us get upset with our neighbors when they don't treat us the way we want to be treated. To say, well, Jesus said, you're supposed to treat me the way you would want to be treated or the way I would want to be treated. So you're not doing that so I can get upset with you. That if your neighbor it doesn't know your name, if your neighbor is not returning your stuff in a timely manner or in a way that you would like, or your neighbor is not cleaning his or her yard or whatever the thing is, Scripture is, does not give us permission to then be mad at them because uh, uh, they have not treated us the way we want to be treated. Do you understand what I'm saying? Scripture is not a weapon to be used to judge other people on how they are to behave. Scripture is a tool for us to examine ourselves. Jesus talks about the plank versus the speck. I gotta look at the plank in my own eye before I get all bent out of shape about the speck in your eye. Scripture is not a weapon to judge other people. It's a tool to examine ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus responds to the expert in the law's uh, comments. He says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Remember, the expert in the law came up to Jesus and his question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And notice what Jesus does not say. And this is important. Jesus does not say, believe in me. You get that? He doesn't say, you need to believe these things. He doesn't say, you need to know these things. He doesn't say, you need to know what is written in the law. Once you know these things, then you're taken care of. It can't stop with beliefs. It can't stop with knowledge. It has to go to action. 
Those things are great. Beliefs and knowledge are great. They're an essential part of our journey. We can't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength unless we believe that that God exists. And so, so those things are essential to having a relationship with Jesus and growing in that relationship. But it means nothing if we aren't doing it, if we aren't loving our neighbors actively. The expert in the law went up to Jesus to try to test him. He may have said to his friends, hey, watch this. I, I'm gonna box Jesus in a corner. I'm gonna ask him a question. There's no way he's gonna get out of this. Jesus doesn't get boxed into a corner. So the expert in the law asks his question. He goes up to test Jesus, and he walks away with an assignment. That's Jesus. He goes up to test Jesus, and he walks away going, love your neighbor. Okay, okay, and then he asks the famous question that leads to the story of the Good Samaritan. He asks, so who then is my neighbor? Which leads Jesus to tell this great story, and that's what we're gonna look at over the next four weeks, four different characters in that story. But for today, for this morning, we are just kind of getting started with this, getting warmed up, and I just have a couple questions for you. The first question is this, are you interested in loving your neighbor? Are you interested in loving your neighbor? Like I said, I'm not great at it. I have a lot to learn here. And I'm confident most of you here in this room are better than me at this. But are you still interested in learning more about this part of your relationship with Jesus? Are you interested in being challenged? Because as we walk through this story, there may be levels of loving your neighbor that you haven't experienced yet. Are you willing to check that out? Because Jesus, he says, it's not optional. It's not a bonus for you to do this if time permits. He says, very frankly, do this and you'll live. Do this, and you will live. <laughs> second question is this. Assuming that the answer to the first question is yes, the second question is, are you willing to get to know your neighbors? Are you willing to put the effort into knowing their names, calling them by name? Because we can't love our neighbors unless we know who they are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. That's the vertical relationship. And love your neighbor as yourself. We're gonna go after this horizontal piece over the next few weeks. Are you interested? Are you willing to see how God wants to make an impact in and through us in our many neighborhoods around here and the many HOAs that are connected to those neighborhoods? <laughs> Would you uh, bow your heads with me? I wanna wrap up with you. Father God, I'm confident that there are people's names and faces that have surfaced for many here in this room. I've thought, yeah, I could do that except for that person. And so God, I, I just ask that you would challenge us 
area in these next few weeks to go beyond our comfort zone, to go beyond perhaps what we were willing to do before we walked into this room because we surrender our lives to you. And we wanna do that on a greater and deeper level. And so, God, we surrender our neighbor story, our neighbor concern. We bring that to you here today and God say, would you do something beautiful with that over these next few weeks? Would you do something beautiful with our hearts as we do this and therefore live? We thank you for this story. We're excited about how you're gonna use it to make an impact in our lives and in this community, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.